Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. We're about this season of Christmas. And today I'm beginning a series, though I kind of started a little bit last week, leading us up to our Christmas services, which let me encourage you, we have some cards out in the atrium that we're gonna be having our services. We have one on the 23rd and then two on the 24th. And you can just grab one of those cards. You can use them to invite people as well. But God's gonna do something great in our midst. And I know a lot of people are busy this time of year. A lot of people are exhausted because we're at different things and functions. And sometimes the last thing you wanna do is plan another time. But let me tell you, God will, God's, you're gonna to come to these services and God's gonna bless your life, I'm telling you right now. He's gonna do something in you. But I, this, this series, I, I've titled The Glory of Christmas. Because many times when you think about Christmas, you, you, we miss some details. And we think of the, the great, the, the tinsel and the lights and the, and, the, and the good stuff, which is all good. But sometimes we can forget the glory of really the situation in which Jesus entered the world. The chaos of the world in which Jesus entered in. It's so important for us to understand. My prayer today is that you would have a new appreciation for the story of Christmas. Today's message is going to be a little different, but I believe God wants to speak to us today in a way that's going to be very challenging. Everybody say very challenging. It's going to be very challenging to us. And I'm so grateful for what the Lord has revealed in this, these Christmas passages today. To be honest with you, it's something that I've, I've never really seen before. I've never really connected some of these dots before of what really the glory of Christmas is about. But I'd like for us to imagine the, the chaos, the situation that Jesus, God in the flesh, entered into the world. He was, that he, he was born in the midst of it. And so Jesus, just to set the scenario, just to set the scene, was born when a Roman emperor named Augustus ruled the known world. He was the power, no one greater than Augustus. He ruled it with force. He ruled it with power. He ruled it with violence. Then into the world Jesus was born was another leader that was closer to where Jesus was at. And he was a crazy, insane leader. And his name was Herod. He was evil. He was driven by his own ego, his own motives. And he himself wanted to be the king of the Jews. He himself wanted to be the one that people honor and worship. But he was horrific. He was a nasty man. And the reason why we know King Herod's name is because of the mandate that he enacted to have all male children under the age of two murdered. And he had them murdered because he had heard about the prophesied Messiah. And the Magi kind of brought it to his attention and so he thought, which is interesting, think about this for a minute, this leader, Herod, thought he could outsmart God and preserve his own power and preserve his own, his, uh, his own position by eliminating the competition that God would bring. How many know that's not going to probably work, right? 
And so that's the incredible, chaotic, tragic situation in which Jesus was born into. We forget about the devastation that was going on. We forget about the the culture. We forget about what's the Romans and how they lived their lives and the perversion. We forget about a leader who is power hungry and has all power to do whatever. Listen, this Herod, he lived under executive order all the time. He didn't have to have a pandemic to do stupid stuff. I move on. But not only was he insane, not only was he power hungry, He was, he was an evil, dark man. He actually had his two brothers-in-law killed because he, was, he thought they, had, they were speaking bad of him. So he's like, kill him. Not only that, he had his wife killed because he was threatened by her. He had two of his sons murdered. Now get this, five days before Herod's death, he was sick. And he knew he was going to die. He made a mandate that a certain, a certain amount of innocent civilians would be arrested. So they went out and they arrested all these innocent civilians. But the purpose was so that on the day that he died, they would all be executed so that he could ensure that the nation was in a sense and a atmosphere of mourning. What an evil man. This is the world in which Jesus is born into. Somehow we, we forget that that's actually the way things were. We think, oh no, our world's terrible. No, I, no, humans are just bad when they are controlled by sin. So this is the chaotic world. At the time, taxes were continuing to be oppressive which was part of how God actually, though, used to get Mary to Bethlehem. The people were oppressed. The people were controlled by government. They were hopeless. They were powerless. And the world in which Jesus was born was the world, really, that, that looked a lot like the, the bowels of communism. If you were to go back in time under Stalin, citizens at the time could not gather freely in meetings. They, they were, they, they, there were agents actually from, that Herod had out in the community. To, they were spies amongst the people so that they could squash anything that he thought would threaten his power. Doesn't sound like a really good atmosphere to live in, but this is what was happening. So when he heard the Messiah was coming, he thought, I'm going to eliminate any possibility of me losing my power. So things at that time, think about it. If you were to live at that time, you would think things are out of control. You would be like, oh, Messiah, come quickly. A lot of people say the same thing. Jesus, return now. Can't take it. And things seemed out of control then in a stable, in a barn, in Bethlehem, God stepped into our world, in that world, 
The world of chaos, the world of mourning, the world of unfairness, the world of oppression, the world of pain, the world of sorrow, the world of of man's power trips. God stepped into our world. Out of all the times that Jesus could have been born, God chose to become flesh in that situation. Galatians 4, 4 says this, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. This was the perfect time. Listen, if I was God, I would have picked a better time to bring my, to, to, to send my son for God to become flesh. A better scenario, a better atmosphere. But God chose that chaotic world. In the celebration of Christmas, as I said earlier, we can lose the appreciation of the chaos in which Jesus entered. We can lose it. We just, yay, presents and trees and lights and that's all good. But we, we don't understand sometimes. I don't. The glory of Christmas is not just about the angels. It's about what Jesus stepped into. The glory of Christmas is about the story, the people. The pain of which Jesus stepped into. And we come to a passage out of Luke 1. This is the angel Gabriel. It's very familiar. So I want to get into this quickly because I believe God wants to speak to us. But God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, we don't know anything about Mary. We don't know how she came about. We think she was in her teens. There's nothing about her that the scripture like prefaces this. This woman, Mary, was a, came from a lineage of significance and a lineage of of wealth or a lineage of, and therefore God chose. No, there's none of that. No mentions of prestige or position. She was a common, everybody say common. She was common, young woman, a virgin, who was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. That's the setting. That's the setting, the common setting. In which, now think about this, the angel Gabriel, who dwells in the throne room of God, who is a messenger from God, sent from the throne room, the creator of the world, of the universe. God who has always existed and always will be. Gabriel was created by God to be a messenger for him. And so Gabriel shows up in this common world to this common young girl. And he he gives instructions. He gets instructions from God, go to Nazareth, find Mary, tell her this. Make her aware of the purposes of God. And so Gabriel goes, you got it. And he shows up, boom. I don't know how he showed up. All I know is he made himself visible. 
Talk about a moment. I don't know what she was doing. Could have been sewing, could have been hanging out. I don't, I don't know. Fixing her sandals, I have no clue. It was common wherever a Gabriel showed up though, I promise you. You have to understand that when Gabriel gave this message to Mary, think about it. She didn't know. There was nothing. She, didn't, she hadn't come to this place so that I believe the angel Gabriel is going to come and see me and speak to me and give me a, something that I'm to do for my life. She didn't expect any of it, but he shows up. She didn't know what was going to happen to her. Did not, she didn't know. She never thought one day her simple life would be totally transformed and changed by an angelic visitation. And in their culture, I mean, those things happen to men. They don't happen to women. She never would have thought. She never would have thought in her simple common life that God was going to use her to be a very significant part in something that he planned from the foundations of the world. But she became aware of it. And she became aware that she is a vessel that God wants to use. And so Gabriel says, hi, Mary, here I am. Luke 1, 28, he says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord's with you. Gabriel shows up and is like, man, God, God's with this woman, Mary. And he shows up. He's like, you should be really happy. God's favor is on you. Greetings. You who are highly favored. In other words, God has a, God's got a plan for you, Mary. I've known of this plan for a while, but Mary, oh my gosh, Mary, you're favored of God. And I'm about to tell you what's going to happen. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. In other words, Mary's like, I don't know what's going on right now. What are you doing here? I'm favored. Okay. Who are you? So she's troubled. She's confused. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. She said, oh, okay, yeah. Then the angel Gabriel says this, Mary, Mary, this is, this, I'm about to drop something on you right now. This is the favor. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and you and, and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father Jacob and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom, yours, the, the, the one that's gonna be in your belly, his kingdom will never end. Now Mary, maybe at first as a Jew, she would have heard language like this. The, the prophecies of the coming Messiah they would have been waiting, they, they, especially as things got more oppressive in their lives. They're looking for a natural Messiah to save them. 
But they also would have known, but this Messiah was, there was going to be more to it. So this language would have been familiar to her. And so everything that Mary had ever heard, everything that Mary had ever talked about, everything that was, talking, was talked about with her family, with the different meals and the feast, Mary, you will be the one who will carry the child everyone's waiting on in your womb. Now listen, she's a virgin, and she asked a, que- she asked a question that every one of you ladies would ask as well. Because we you know what I like about Mary? She's just a woman, right? So just like any woman, you, you're not intimidated by situations sometimes. If somebody says, hey, this is going to happen, you're like, Hang on a second. Verse 34. How will this be, Gabriel? Can you give me the details on this? Because I need to know some of the details here. I need to know. Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, so I I don't know how this is going to. This is very human, very common interaction here. Yes, it's Gabriel, but she's, she's just being a person. How's this going to happen, Gabriel? I'm a virgin. Now listen, notice she didn't say, I don't want to do this. She didn't say, I have some reservations. I I don't know, can I think about it? She just doesn't, she'd already resolved, okay, but she just doesn't understand the how. I don't know how, 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 how does this happen? And Gabriel says, well, listen, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. She goes, oh, I get it, okay. Still confused, still trying to put the pieces together. But then the angel Gabriel says this, Mary, listen. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And this is what I want you to hear today. Verse 38, Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And then the angel departed her. So Mary's in a common place, being common. An uncommon angel shows up, speaks, she's floored. How's that gonna happen? This is what's going to happen, okay? She doesn't, still doesn't know how. She doesn't know the details, okay? She says, then let it be. Whatever you said, I know it's from God. I'll say yes to that. And then the angel left her. So I, I want you to put yourself in Mary's situation. He's gone, and she's back to common. Like, hello? What's she going to do now? She's, she's, she's back in this quiet room again. She's back. Like, He's gone. I said yes. And this is the moment, though, that Mary said yes to whatever God says. She says yes to it. This is the moment, though, that her yes changed her life forever. Mary says, according to your word, 
Mary was saying that there, there, there were the language of submission, the language of yes, God. I don't fully understand, but yes. Everybody say yes. She said yes. Mary was saying, I submit. Mary was saying, I will obey. Mary is saying, let it be. Mary is saying, I will be a willing vessel to the plan of God, to the purposes of God. I, I, I will say yes to that. I accept it. And I'll do it. And then the angel leaves, and now she's alone. Now, think about it. She's, a, she's an engaged young woman. The angel just appeared to her said, hey, you're going to be pregnant with God. You're in the name of Jesus. Now, this engaged young woman, right when she's left alone, who do you think the first person she thinks of? Joseph, that's right. I should probably talk to Joseph. I want you to catch this. Mary's yes created some obstacles she now has to navigate. So we, we love the story of Christmas and we like all the, it's beautiful. I mean, it's wonderful. But I, I, if we were to get under the hood a little bit, her yes to God created some difficulties. She has some obstacles she's got to navigate. She's got to go talk to Joseph now. And it's not like the angel Gabriel is going to like just walk along with her and, and show up. No, she's alone. Now, we don't have the conversation written. We, we, don't, we don't have it in, in scriptures about what was said. We don't know what she said to Joseph. But this is what we can be very, very darn sure of. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable. And many times when you say yes to what God's asking you to do, it's going to lead to some awkward conversations. And we see this from the story of Christmas. We see this from, from Mary. We see this from the interaction. Her yes created some difficulties. We must not forget, friends, as we live in this hour, in this age, in this day, that your yes to the purposes of God through your life are going to cause some difficulties for you. We must understand that the church that will persevere, the church that will make a difference, the church that will be the bride of Christ is the church that understands our yes to God means some difficulties on this earth today. That's the truth. So we don't have the conversation, but we know it was awkward. I just wanna lean into this just for a second. Your, your yes to what God's asking you to do, like Mary, means you're gonna be misunderstood. I, I would say for us, for Cheryl and I, being misunderstood is so painful because you're misunderstood. In other words, even if you explain yourself, they have misunderstood you. They've created a judgment about you. 
So when you say yes to God, people will, will misunderstand you. People will think you're lying to them. Moments that we've, had, we've shifted and made decisions in our life, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me the real story. Ministry decisions we've made have been like, yeah, okay, yeah. But what really happened? No, I just told you. God is leading. Okay, sure. Wink, wink. Tell me later. No, I just told you. Okay. Saying yes to God means, now listen, saying yes to God means saying no to people's approval. I, I want you to hear that. Saying yes to God means saying no to people's approval. In our life, we, we've experienced the decisions that we've had to make in our journey. When we said yes to what God was asking of us, you know what it resulted in for us? It resulted in people doubting our motives, people doubting, questioning our integrity, people questioning our sanity, <laughs> which I questioned at times as well. People questioned me if I was a responsible, if I'm really being a responsible father or a husband. We've been called flaky. We've been called dreamers. We've been told we only have a shelf life of two years. We've been called liars. We've been told God doesn't lead people that way. We've given things away when, because we felt God told us to. When others thought we were foolish, we should have sold it. We've given things away. Others said you should have kept it. We've received what we've been praying for. And in the moment we received it, we felt the Lord say, I want you to give it away now. We've had to have many awkward, difficult conversations over the years because we strive to say yes to the purposes of God. Many difficult conversations, misunderstood by close friends, family, ministry partners. Had a leader tell me one time, you're lying. You just made the whole thing up because you don't like the situation you're in. So you just made something up. And I said, no, I'm not. He says, yes, you are. Okay. Saying yes to God, friends, has a cost. And this is what we don't always realize. For Mary, it cost her. Your yes to the purposes and the plan of God for your life. Hear me today. Listen, don't, don't, don't miss this. It's not free. Your yes will cost you something. It costed Mary so much. But the decision you make in order to please God, many times it, it, it feels like a loss at first. Because you, you don't know. Um, it's kind of like Mary, like, uh, okay, I'm a virgin. How is this even going to happen? It's a loss because you don't know the how. And we are all control freaks, and we want to know the how. Everybody say amen to that. Come on, public confession is good for your soul, okay? Okay. 
Mary's yes created difficulties. Your yes to what God's asking you to do is going to cost you something. And so it, it does feel like a loss. It does feel like, oh, really, is this what God would have for me? It may feel like a loss at first, but I'll tell you this. You saying yes to God, responding to what he's spoken to you, checking the word of God to see if it aligns with the principles of scriptures. You saying yes, you will find later the glory and the supernatural hand of God moving in your life on the other side of your obedience to say yes to God. Mary didn't choose her planned known life over the unknown purposes of God. She didn't choose it. She said, I'm sorry, Gabriel. I've actually, we, I, we got this sorted out already. I'm okay. Thank you. I've planned my life out. I know how things are going to go. Maybe find somebody else. She chose the unknown life of faith and obedience over her plans over her own understanding. Remember, she didn't understand. She was troubled, she was confused, but she said yes anyway. And this is the message of Christmas, that Mary said yes, which she didn't understand. Mary said yes to being a vessel that people would criticize. Mary said yes to what God was saying. Mary said no to the life that she had planned and that was planned for her on the earth. Jesus said this in Matthew 10. He says, whoever finds his life on this, in this world, finds your life with worldly things, will lose it. But whoever loses his life, loses worldly things, loses people's opinions, loses your own reputation for my sake, will find real life. Mary's yes to God led to the most difficult, awkward conversation her and Joseph had ever had. I don't know how it began. I don't know what was happening. Maybe Mary walked into his wood shop and Joseph was planing some wood. So he hears her little footsteps coming. He goes, hey, Mary. Hi, Joseph. Keeps planing some wood. Joseph, can, can, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, go ahead, sweetheart. Joseph, can, can I talk to you? Yeah, I said, yeah, it's fine. Go, I just got to get this done. Joseph, can you look at me for a second? Yeah, Mary. I, yes. What, what's up? Joseph, I need to tell you something. And so Mary begins to tell him of this encounter and Joseph's face is a little confused. So he heard angel about some, oh, okay. Holy Spirit, okay. But do, do, do you know the phrase that rattled him the most? I'm pregnant. It jolted him. Mary, hang on a second. Hilarious. I thought you just said you were pregnant. Can you say that again? That's what I said, Joseph. I'm pregnant. 
But Joseph, but the angel, Gabriel, he said this to me and he showed up and, wait, 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 okay, okay. You're pregnant? So his mind's swirling. He doesn't connect the dots of angel, Holy Spirit, Messiah. His fiance's pregnant. But think about Mary's immediate yes to the angel, Gabriel. It brought an immediate turmoil to her life immediately. I got to talk to Joseph. Oh, shoot. Her yes brought an immediate turmoil to Joseph's life. Listen, Joseph believes part of what she's saying. He believes her. He believes she's pregnant. Doesn't believe the part about the angel and the Holy Spirit. So he thinks she's kind of telling the truth. Yeah, you're pregnant, but um, not by the way that you said, Mary. The question in his mind, like any man, who's the father? Who is it? It's, it's the Holy Spirit, Joseph. Okay, anyway, that's fine. Joseph knew he had not violated the purity of their relationship. But in the moment, think about, think about it. He's like, well, I guess obviously Mary's not the pure God-loving woman I thought she was. That's why Joseph fell in love with her. Joseph, I, she seemed so pure and she seemed different than the others. That's why I, 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 I wanted to marry her. That's what she's known for in our community is purity. It's Mary. But it was all a lie. Mary, up to that point, she was an object of humility, admiration, an example of purity. But now, Joseph knows she's the object of shame, rejection. Now she's going to be used as, as an example of other young women. Hey, Sweetheart, you see that girl over there? His name's Mary. You never want to be like her. She's promiscuous. She's, she's a liar. She's insane. She came in some story about the Holy Spirit. Ridiculous. You never want to be like Mary. Joseph knows this. You know, she's going to be the subject of whispers and laughs. And look, now hang on, look at the mess Mary's yes has created for her and for Joseph. That can't be God. God wouldn't do that if I said yes to him. Joseph didn't believe her. So Mary was rejected. Joseph was hurt. Joseph decides to break it all off privately. He goes home that night. His heart is broken. Not even being able to wrap his head around it about what just happened to him. The urge in his heart, to, he wanted to embrace Mary, but also he was filled with such anger and pain and betrayal. 
He wanted to run from her, but yet he wanted to ask her how, but then he didn't want, but he wanted to hold her because he still loves her, but yet, ah! And he's at home. He's exhausted. His eyes are red from tears. His energy is zapped because of his mental and emotional turmoil. And he slumps off to sleep. We know that after the angel announced to Mary, and after Mary told Joseph, he had decided he was going to divorce. Marriage not happening. He was, but he was going to do it quietly. Mary, after she told Joseph, and he said, I'm done. She goes to a little town 70 miles away to her cousin Elizabeth's house, who is on her way. Now, I want you to think for a second. Mary probably didn't make this journey by herself. Her family probably helped her. Her family maybe just wanted to get her out of the town so she wouldn't be a, a mark on their reputation. And who knows the thoughts of little Mary. She just said yes. And her whole life has blown up. But they decided to get her out of town. They wanted to quietly disappear. Get out of here. Now, Joseph, he remains in Nazareth. And Joseph's life continued in the pain and the drama of the newly learned information. His life goes on. He probably thought, what if I, what if I go ahead? Maybe say, what if I go ahead and, and marry her? But then immediately thought, uh-uh, I can hear the voices right now. The community laughing. <laughs> it's Mary. The spirit impregnated her. Hilarious. What a harlot. Joseph thought, man, I'd look like a fool. I'd look like a desperate man. Even if Joseph believed her, his family wouldn't believe her. So Joseph moves ahead with his plan. I'm going to break it off. It's now been three months. Three months since the devastating conversation that he had with Mary. Joseph finishes a good day of work. He settles down for the night. And like many nights before, he's going to go to sleep. But you know, as the time goes on, he can, he's finally able to fall asleep a little better. The pain of his heart is subsiding a little bit, enough for him to drift off to sleep. And he falls asleep. In Matthew 1, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You know, Joseph could have said, what, could you have showed up three months ago? There's, God's plan's bigger. She will give birth to a son, Joseph. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph wakes up. His heart is warmed from the visitation. In a moment, his heart is lifted. The pain's gone. The feelings of, of betrayal 
The, the, the painful feelings he's been trying to get rid of actually are gone because God has spoken. The love in his heart that he was trying to sur just suppress and I wish it would just go away. He can now let flood his heart and he can embrace the old feelings that he of expectation and excitement and hope and love and dreams about the future floods his mind. And then all of a sudden he thinks, Mary, I got to talk to Mary. My precious Mary, I, oh, I rejected her. I didn't believe her. She knew it. I let her go off. I got to go get my wife. And so he says yes to obeying and surrendering to the purpose of God for his life. Matthew 1, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. But think about Joseph's yes. What he will need to navigate in the future, the decisions he will need to make. He now believes Mary because the angel appeared and spoke to him in a dream. But now it's three months later. Her little, her little tummy's starting to show. She's got a little bump. They know Mary's been at another town. Joseph's been here. No one's going to believe the story. Joseph's family wouldn't believe. Even much of Mary's family probably wouldn't believe. The turmoil, the chaos... All of it was created because Mary said yes and Joseph said yes. And now the burden of the yes. Listen, this is a reputation that continued to follow them. It didn't go away. It stayed with them. Mary would carry this reputation for many years. Jesus would carry that reputation. Yeah, I know it's Jesus, but did you hear? It's not Joseph's son. On one occasion, Jesus goes back to his hometown in Nazareth. And they get so furious with him. They try to throw him off a cliff and kill him. L listen to what is said about him in Mark 6. We don't have the slide, but listen. Mark 6, it says, then they scoffed at him. He, would, he had finished preaching. It says they scoffed at him. Now listen, listen to what he says. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary. The son of Mary. They didn't mention Joseph, did they? The reputation is still there. Mary's still marked by the perceived reputation. And Jesus knew. Jesus knew what she endured. Think about it. He knew what she had put up with because she said yes. He felt the rejection himself. The pain, the outcasts. This is Jesus. This is Mary. All they did was say yes. It never went away. She was marked by the bad reputation. There was a prophecy in Isaiah 53 about Jesus. And li listen to what 
it says. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. He had to watch his mom. People laugh and sneer and scoff. He had to watch his other, the other siblings in the house. Know that they, yeah, not, but it's Jesus and dad's not Jesus' dad. And then the scripture goes on and says, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. The setting of the Christmas story, friends, is one of chaos. Think about this. Jesus' half-brothers and sisters didn't even want to associate with Jesus. Why? He's a bastard child. Why would they want to associate with him? When Jesus was ministering, he was, he was embarrassing them. They were embarrassed of Jesus. One occasion he was speaking and preaching and, and the family had had enough. As if the whole situation with Jesus and their mom hadn't brought enough shame on them. Now Jesus this is, is now a prominent figure. Everyone knows the connection. He's saying things that people never heard before. The word on the streets is, is that, and by the respected religious leaders, Jesus is demon-possessed. And the family had enough. Mark 3.21 says this, it says, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of Jesus. For they said, he is out of his mind. I'm sick of being shamed by Jesus. I'm sick of mom always casting her shame and her reputation on us. Mary's yes cost her much. Think about her children. Every time the kids looked at Jesus, it reminded them of the rejection that they had received. Why couldn't they just have a mom like everybody else? Very likely they were ashamed of her. Very possible Mary's other children distanced themselves from mom because they were trying to break free from their reputation. When Jesus was being crucified, friends, her yes, the consequence of her yes followed her all the way. And you even see it at the cross. Jesus hanging on the cross looks down at his mother and tells John, one of his disciples, to take care of her. Why? Why not the other sibling? Why not the other male? Why not James? Why not you? Why not? I? So he says, John, we take your mom. Her yes cost her so much. I don't want her to be alone. rest of the family thought Mary was a harlot and Jesus was insane. How do they conclude to all of that? 
Because Mary said yes. Her yes caused her a tremendous amount of pain and rejection. And she did not see the fruit of that yes. Yes, she saw some things. She saw Jesus healing, but she still lived in the community being known as that woman. She saw him turn water into wine. She saw, but her reputation had been smeared because she said yes to Jesus. She said yes to the angel. She didn't see that fruit of that yes until Jesus, three days later, came out of the grave. The heart of that mama, huh? It was true. My yes mattered. The Christmas story is actually this simple. That ask every single one of us in this room and online this question. Will you say yes to the purposes of God for your life? Will you say yes when he asks you to do something that seems foolish? What has God asked you to do? What are you withholding your yes from? What is it? The Christmas story invites you to say yes to the purposes of God, regardless of the temporal inconvenience, regardless of the turmoil, regardless of the questions, regardless of the cost of your reputation. Regardless if looks like you squandered a great career, you fool. But I said yes to God. The truth is God is looking for those who won't ask about the details, who don't need to know it all, but just say yes when he speaks. That is the recipe of living a supernatural life the life that God uses, the life that God moves through, a life that God says, I'm gonna do something with that one. They say yes, even though they know it will cost them. That's my boy, that's my girl. Your yes to God is your ticket to a supernatural life. It starts with your first yes. What is God asking you to do? That can't be God. That can't be God. That can't be God. That cannot be God. He can't be. I need a retirement. No, 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 no. This can't be God. Is it? Say yes. Maybe some of yours, yes, means you need to say no to something else. What is the yes? that the Lord's inviting you to give him today. What is that yes? That's the story of Christmas. What is he asking of you right now?
What is he saying? Friends, listen to me. Your yes isn't determined on your reputation. Your yes to God who saved you, called you, looking for someone to use on the earth is not to be determined on your checkbook, on your bank account, on your convenience, on your prestige, on your power, on the neighborhood you want, on the car you want to drive. The plans you've made, the vacations you've, you've planned out, the picture in your mind, what it looks like when your grandkids are around, or no, 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 this is the setting it has to be in. Mary said no to all of that, and said yes to God. Will you say yes? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word today that's that's speaking to us deeply. Lord, the questions in our heart, man, they're so, wrestle with them, oh God. But Lord, today by faith, I don't understand the how. I don't understand the details. I don't understand. I know it's going to cost me. I know it's going to mark me. I know people are going to think I'm stupid and people are going to think I'm foolish. And God, I don't care anymore. Today, I declare to you, God, before you, anything you ask of me, I will say yes doesn't matter how little or how big. I won't consider my reputation over your glory and your purpose for my life. I won't consider my convenience over what you want to do on the earth. Today, I say yes to you. God's moving. For some of you, it's a yes to give up a dream. Your yes to God is a no to a dream. It's a a no to something you thought you were going to do. You were going to go that way. It was no, it's what you've been planning. You've been working on all the... And you know, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, will you say yes to this? some of you, God is speaking to you to use your finances in a way that violates family principles. Nope, this is what you do. This is how you do it. But the Holy Spirit's saying, will you say yes to me? Some of you, it's a career shift. Some of you, it's to say no, maybe to a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a fiance for some of you it's just the surrender of your life today yes 
Lord, today we give you our lives. And we leave here and we understand today you're asking us, inviting us to the supernatural life. We don't have any misunderstandings of the cost. We know it costs Mary much. And in even knowing that, we say yes. Just right where you are, just say yes to him. Just say yes. Yes, God. Yes, God. So Lord, today I, we thank you for your word. May we carry it with us deeply through this Christmas season and in our lives for the rest of our lives. Lord, we commit our lives to you. If you're here today and nobody's looking around and you have never said yes to giving your life to Jesus, and you know it's right now, you know he is knocking on the door of your heart, and you want to say yes to Jesus today, you want to say yes to flinging that door open and saying, please come in and save me. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand right where you are, lift it up high. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And we're all going to pray it together. Church, let's pray. Jesus, I say yes to you. I say yes to your forgiveness. I say yes to what you want to do in my life. I say yes to all that you've accomplished. I give you my life today. I surrender to you. And from this day forward... I will follow you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for raising from the dead. Thank you for giving me new life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we get